Tomorrow Mai. Good morning. I'm Judith Lay and this is Praise, the programme that connects faith and daily life. Manx Radio. On Praise Today, I find out why a 22-year-old youth camp for teenagers is as popular as ever. Churches can and should lead the way in caring for our environment. And we're getting in the spirit of the TT with a motorbike story from an unlikely rider. And there's music too. On Thursday this week, the Christian Church will celebrate the Feast of the Ascension, commemorating Jesus Christ's return to heaven 40 days after his resurrection from the dead on Easter Day. As he left his small group of close friends, Jesus promised that he would be with them always and would send his Holy Spirit to give them the power to spread his message. And that's the theme of our first hymn, Alleluia, Sing to Jesus, His the Scepter, His the Throne.
glorious bit of descant there from the St. Michael Singers with a great Ascension Day hymn, Alleluia, Sing to Jesus. And now, as they say, for something completely different. Back in 1997, Firestarter was still the big song from The Prodigy and was a natural anthem for a brand new residential youth camp for teenagers that began in the summer of that year. 22 years on, Firestarter still offers young people aged between 12 and 17 four days of activities, camping, entertainment and, you'll be reassured to know, very few fires. It's quite a few years since we've talked about Firestarter on this programme. So, ahead of this year's event, I went in search of the man who's been in charge from the very beginning, an experienced and dedicated youth worker, Tommy Harrison. But before we even began to talk about Firestarter, I was shocked to discover the changes Tommy's had to face in his own life. That's about four or five years ago, I was diagnosed with multiple sclerosis. I did have a few scares a few years back, so it was always in my system, but it gets triggered by stress. One time I woke up in the morning, I couldn't feel my body from the neck down. Then I went back to the consultants and then eventually they diagnosed me about two months later. That was the start of the journey. I ended up losing my job as a tree surgeon. I had to close down my business because you can't get insurance if you can't feel your hands and your feet. They kind of get a bit upset about that insurance companies. So I fell to pieces, really. I just saw all the worst things. I looked on Google, which isn't a good idea when you get a diagnosis like that. So everything was pretty miserable at, at the start. Now, let's sketch in the background. You're a family man. You're married to Sylvia. You've got a family. You have a very strong faith. As a family, you have a very strong faith. But just how much use is your faith when you're really put to the test like that? Initially, I was kind of mad at God, thinking, why have you done this to me? Why me? And then I thought, well, it affects one in a thousand people. So at least there's 999 people who haven't got it. And when I do go, at least I've got somewhere nice to go to. How does it affect your day to day life now, Tommy? Nowadays, I sort of I look at it as a sort of a positive thing. One time I woke up in the morning, I couldn't feel my body from the neck down. That was a bad day. And then it took a few months to get feeling back. And I've got most of the feeling back in my body now. But now when I wake up, if I can feel my body and I can walk, I just I just can't wait to get out of bed and make the most of the day. At the beginning, it was a little bit of why me, but as time's gone on, I've realised that you can't live with that negativity. You have to find a way to, to move on and to accept what's happened to you. And once you accept what's happened to you, you just have to try and find the positives in it. I know that there's a lot of people out there praying for me. Personally, at the start, I was just too panicky to, to even think about praying or anything like that. I was just in blind terror. And through prayer, just through talking to God and just through thinking about it a lot, however you see prayer, I found that once you come to the point of accepting what's what's wrong with you, you, you start to compare life towards how many years have I got left and what sort of quality of life do I want and what's the best I can make out of it in the future. You have a choice, you know, do you sit there and just feel sorry for yourself or do you stand up and say, right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take this on, I'm going to move forward. So, Tommy, we're in the studio because you're talking to me about what you're doing for the island's young people this summer. And you're joined by Natalie Brennan. Hi, Natalie. Hi. Tell me the Firestarter story. Who is it for? Firestarter is for young people in year 7 to 11, and it's, it's just amazing. What makes it amazing? The freedom that the crew give the young people. We have some rules that are non-negotiable, but the festival is a you can choose what to do and when to do it as long as it's in the rules. Now let's start with the basics. Where's the venue this year? It will be held at Ardwallen. And what are the dates? 
The dates are the 22nd to the 25th of July. So school finishes on the Friday and Firestarter starts on the first Monday of the school holidays. It's a great time to kick off the summer holidays. Now, before we start talking about the kind of things that, that you offer, what is the cost for this? The cost is £75, but until the end of the month, if you put in Manx Radio as a promo code, you'll get £5 off. Natalie, what's it like? What are the facilities up there at Ardwallen? So we get to use all of Ardwallen's stuff. One of our crew members is a part of the Ardwallen team, so they enable us to use their kayaking stuff, their assault course, archery, all of the stuff that you could do at Ardwallen, we get to do at Firestarter. And what about the food? That's always an important thing when young people are involved. How's that organised? So we have an on-site chef, Brom Ward, and she provides the three meals a day. So she sorts out the breakfast, the lunch and the dinner. And she's got a kitchen crew that help her out to do that. We have a crew of 30 people. We're in the process of doing the police checks right now. All the crew will be trained in child protection and safeguarding. We have super strict rules about going into male and female camping areas. It's a non-negotiable. You simply don't go into the camping area of the opposite sex. There's very strict rules about that. But as we're now run by the Church of England, their safeguarding policies are, I would say, they're second to none. They are brilliant. So they're covering all our safeguarding and making sure that everything's up to speed and up to date. You have camping areas segregated for male and female. Do people have to bring their own tents or is there anything like that provided? You have to bring your own tent and sleeping bag and you can bring an airbed if you want to. But if you do forget something, we've got a hospitality team which will make sure that you're all sorted. If you forget your toothbrush, they'll get you a toothbrush and things like that. Are there any other rules? There's 10 rules, you know, show respect for each other, no bullying, keep out of the out-of-bounds areas, just general rules like that. There's absolutely no alcohol or drugs. That's a ticket home straight away. A ticket home. What do you hope that young people will get from this, Tommy? There's a few things that I'd like young people to get from it because I kind of target the children that have a, have a bit of a rough life, have a bit of a tough life. And for me, I'd like them to go away with at least one positive childhood memory, one childhood memory that's just they ha- where they had a good time. We give them a great sense of freedom, so they, they're not told when to go to bed or when to wake up. We have a cafe that's open 24 hours a day, so if they want to stay awake all night, we'll stay awake all night and talk with them and chat to them. If they want to go to bed, they can go to bed and they have to be quiet when they go there. It's not what I would call an overtly Christian event where it's happy, clappy, singy songs and things like that, but it's mainly run by Christians, but we're never in people's faces about our faith. What I say is is that if you live by your faith, people should be able to see Jesus in you by the way you live. And if people can't see that, then we're not living our faith properly. That's how we really do it. People should leave their go. And there's something different about those people. But it's just by the way we live our lives. Natalie, you're smiling and nodding your head. So I'm guessing that you're agreeing with everything that Tommy has said. Yes. They do say, don't they, faith is caught rather than taught. Natalie, do you find that that it's in situations like this where young people will tell you what's really on their mind? Yeah, so I've had many a conversation around the campfire with a young person about things that are going on in their lives. It gives you such an opportunity to be able to have those deeper conversations with young people and get them to express how they're really feeling. It's hard for young people to be able to do that and over the week we build up trust with them so they can reveal things if they need to and they can just get it off their chest if they're experiencing something. I guess young people would worry whether they're actually being listened to. It brings me back to about four or five years ago we had a thing called secret angels on the team so you have a secret angel who has to do nice things for you and so we say what what do you want us to do so for me I put down my secret angel, I want them to bring me water because I always get dehydrated through the event. And then I got somebody else's secret angel. On her bit of paper, she said, ask me how my day's been. 
and in little tiny letters underneath she said, and listen to the answer. And to me, that changed my whole direction for Firestarter then. It's really about ask people how their day's been and listen to the answer. And very rarely are young people actually listen to and, and what they've got to say and what they're feeling and what they're going through. They rarely ever really listen to. That's a key thing for me. And I say it to the team every year now saying, listen to the answer. I'm talking here to highly experienced youth worker Tommy Harrison, who's been leading Firestarter, the residential youth camp for young people, since it started over 20 years ago. As Tommy said, Firestarter is organised by Christians from our local churches, but it's non-denominational and not tied to any one church, so young people of any faith or no faith will feel completely comfortable here. Firestarter is an approved ministry of the Church's Young People's Committee and Scripture Union Ministries Trust. And Natalie Brennan, who'll be part of the Firestarter team again this year, is also a member of the Scripture Union team, which means she's working with young people throughout the year, not just at Firestarter. I asked Natalie what would be a typical week for her. Dealing with people, dealing with young people, means you've got an unpredictable life because... You've got to be at the end of the phone for people. If somebody needs help, you've got you've got to go and help them. That's just what you do. If somebody phones you up, you go. So I've got some structured things in my week. I go into high schools and do Christian union groups in there with young people who have faith or may not have faith and are exploring things. I also help with curriculum events within high school and primary school. So in the course of your work, do you just put out lots of invitations and let people respond? A lot of it is done by personal invite. If you've got a relationship with someone, they're more likely to go to something that you're doing. I have a a youth group on a Friday night and they're all keen to go to the festival just because they know me and I've said it's fun. So they're like, we're going. Do you find year on year, Tommy, that there are some things that you've absolutely got to have? The two things that people really enjoy is the 24-hour cafe. And what they all try to do is on the first night stay awake so they can watch the sunrise. And out of 100 children, about three of them would make it to the sunrise. And then on the second night, none of them will make it to sunrise. And on the third night, they all go to bed early. If you leave teenagers to just do what they want, they will get reasonable behaviours and go to bed early. But the other thing that we do is on the last day, oh, we have um, the, the water war. We have 5,000 water bomb water war, which is brilliant and quite painful at times, especially if you're me and you get targeted and you get quite a lot thrown at you. And then after the water war, we have the kangaroo court where if people have done anything sil- silly during the festival, we will call you out and you will be judged by a jury who will always find you guilty whether you've done it or not. Someone had to stand in a bin once because they didn't take out the bin. Um, That was a crew member. (laughs) One lad had to put his hand in a box full of spiders, but there were no spiders in there, but we told him. You know, things like that. Do you have a limit on the number of young people you can take? We put a limit of 100 on because... When you get over 100, when you get 120 people, it just turns into a crowd of people and we'd rather get to know them individually. So 80 is actually about the best figure to have because you can get to know 80 children, you can get to know about them, you can get to talk to them. So 80 is, it's a really good feeling when you get 80 there, but we do allow it to get up to 100, but 80 is really our target. And bearing in mind the number of adults that you say are in the team, that's a very high ratio of team to young people taking part. So there's always somebody available to do whatever, whether it's take the bins out or sit down and have a chat at three o'clock in the morning. You've got somebody there. Yeah, we'll stay up all night and be security. On the security side, we have two people who are on the campsite overnight and they're sat there with radios to radio in if there's any issues. 
issues. And then we have male and female security people who are walking around the site on access by radio. And I'm also sat there by the campsite and I'm accessible on radio as well. So there's quite a lot of security on overnight. And during the day, we have 30 people on and all of us are basically security then to make sure that things are going well. One essential bit of information. How do you book up for it? What's the best way to do that? You go straight to our website, which is www.firestarter.im and you follow the links that say book now. It could not be simpler. And the £5 off code is a Manx Radio mm. and £5 off. Yes. So £75 goes down to £70 and that's just available till the end of the month. I'll put the detail up on the blog and uh, put a link to your website and just wish you a fantastic fire starter. Thank you. Thank you, Tommy Harrison and Natalie Brennan, talking there about the Firestarter Youth Camp. Firestarter.im is an excellent website, loads of photos from previous years, and every possible question that you could want to ask is covered there. For our environment is a hot topic in the news now. Exploring all the different ways that we can do it is something that should be of great concern to all of us. Let's explore this a little more with our guest this morning, who is Simon Brown, a visitor to the island. Simon, good morning and welcome. Good morning. Now, you're a volunteer for the organisation Arosha. It's an organisation we're already familiar with on the island. We have had a visit from members of Arosha who talked to us about making our churches more environmentally friendly and came up with some very imaginative ideas. Now, I'm hoping that talking to you, we can take the conversation a little further. You're a retired police officer working as a volunteer for Arosha and also a volunteer at London Zoo. I've always been interested in conservation. I worked in London for 30 years as a police officer and actually I was volunteering at the zoo before I retired. It was a wonderful way to relax and then on retirement I started working there more full-time and for the last 10 years I've been working in the bugs house handling the insects. We can tell from this brief conversation that you are somebody who who values nature. Absolutely. um, So I suppose being involved with Arosha is a natural extension of this. Absolutely. Yes, it brought my passion for the environment and for the church together. What would you say is, is key to Arosha's work? Working with people to care for the environment within which they find themselves. 
the poorer you are, the more you are reliant upon the environment. That's becoming increasingly recognised. And to just raise the awareness of that. I mean, Tear Fund and Christian Aid, when they're working with the poor in the developing world, so much of that work is working to make the environment a sustainable place for the poor to live. And that is a Rocha's work, to raise that awareness in the UK, within the churches, that we have this mission to care for the environment, which in doing so, cares for the people who live in it. Do you think we overlook ways in which we could be more aware and more careful about our environment? Yes, because we live in a too-pressured life. We don't take time out to listen to the birds, you know, the dawn chorus, which is fantastic. How many people are aware of that in their lives? There's that little connection we need to make. How many of your products have palm oil in that comes from a sustainable source? So it's all those little things we need to look at. What we want is churches that take on the project of EcoChurch to actually look at their environmental credentials as part of their church life and in doing so become a beacon of hope for the community in which they live. Sometimes it comes down to, you know, have you got a bit of ground? Could you grow some fruit, grow some vegetables? And then what might you do with those? Can offer them to the community? Mm. I went to one church in London. Now, their land was a car park. So you say, well, what can they grow? They had plant boxes around the church and they were growing herbs and there were signs for people to help themselves. To just write off the car park was ridiculous. They'd actually made use of it as part of their outreach. What the Eco Church does is it encourages, as I say, the holistic life of the church. They're both worship and teaching, making them aware, the community within the church, of responsibility to care for God's creation, but then reaching out to the community, doing projects with the community. Suppose somebody's listening to this and thinking, I'd like my church to be an eco-church. How do they go about it? What are the first steps? The first steps, have a look at the website, the eco-church website. It's easy enough to find. E-C-O-C-H-U-R-C-H. What they need to do then is they can have a play with it. You'll find there is an online audit that they can do. It's a series of radio buttons. You have the question, you get a series of possible answers from, yes, we're doing that, to... I don't know. <laughs> so you have the range. And as you do it, you actually see your score going up on the uh, mylometers at the top of the screen. And as you're doing it, you're getting questions raised. Of, oh, that's an idea. I wonder if our church could do that. And you can explore that. You're making no commitment. All you're doing is you're just looking and playing. If you want to store those answers, then you need to register. And that's a simple thing to do online. You just register and you can then save your answers. And you can then go back or anybody else within your church can go back and update as you progress through the work. Does the website give you any indications of how you might improve your score? Suppose your score isn't terribly good. Oh, yes. <laughs> what it does is it looks at all possible areas and then supporting the questions is a whole raft of resources which you can look at and then say well actually yes that's something that we can do how about doing a carbon footprint survey of your members there are simple surveys out there that can be done and the resources will point you towards them and you can look at them and decide which one you'd like to do and then get members of the church to do it and the great thing is since it's online you can engage the youth in it it's not just about the bricks and mortar of the church no it's about the people within it and how they behave absolutely and the lead that we give and the example that we give in the community that's it yes mm -hmm. and then working with the community on projects in the community the 
difficult one is litter picking. People say, you know, what's the church doing picking up litter in the village? Well, the answer is quite simply caring for God's world, caring for your community. And that's something that everybody can do. Simon, thank you very much indeed for talking to us. Thank you very much. And a link to the Eco Church website that Simon mentioned will be on the praise blog at manxradio.com. Now, I promised you a biking story, and here it is. Father Nicholas Stebbing is a member of the Community of the Resurrection, an Anglican religious community in Murfield, West Yorkshire. And when he visited the island a few days ago, this is what he had to say about motorbikes. Well, as you know, I grew up in Zimbabwe. It was then called Rhodesia because this was before 1980. Growing up, I always thought motorbikes were crazy. They're too dangerous. They ought to be banned. Why anybody rode a motorbike, I couldn't understand. But then I went out to be a mission priest in an area in Zimbabwe, and a motorbike was the best way of getting around. So I got a motorbike. It was only a little Honda 125, but I absolutely loved it. It wasn't just useful because it was cheap to run, but also in the late 70s, we had a civil war in Zimbabwe, which was very unpleasant, and my area got quite dangerous. And one of the dangers of, of that civil war was they put landmines on the road. And with a motorbike, you could either avoid the road completely and find some path to go on. And that was enormous fun, wiggling around paths and going up and down rocks and things on your motorbike and knowing that you were keeping away from the landmines. Or even if you were on the road with only two wheels instead of four, you had 50% less chance of hitting a landmine. And I have to say, I never heard of anybody being blown up on a motorbike. So maybe they just weren't heavy enough to set the landmine off. And to this day, if I see a motorbike, my hands start tingling and I want to get on it and do something. So that's my love for motorbikes. So actually, people keep me off them now because they think I'm too dangerous. And Father Nicholas will be joining us again in a few weeks' time to talk not about motorbikes, but about the rule of St. Benedict, explaining how something written over 1,500 years ago could be life-changing for us today. Next week on Praise, I'll be talking with racing preacher Andy Haynes, who's going to be a sidecar passenger in this year's TT, and he'll be leading two services on Mad Sunday, at half past ten in Onken Methodist Church and at 6.30pm in Union Mills. And that's all that we have time for this week. Don't forget to take a look at the Praise blog, the home of the Church Notice Board. Go to manxradio.com. On the homepage, click On Air. And on the drop-down menu, follow the link for blogs. Thank you for listening to this week's Praise podcast. There's a new Praise podcast available every Sunday morning. You can subscribe for free at Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts and Spotify via the Manx Radio smartphone app or at manxradio.com. So, till we meet again, this is Judith saying thank you for your company and I wish you and those you love every blessing in the days ahead. <laughs>